Coming up on the WSJ Speakeasy podcast today, we get very geeky about Game of Thrones. Stay tuned. This is WSJ Speakeasy, your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. Hello, welcome to the Wall Street Journal Speakeasy Podcast. My name is Mike Ayers. I'm an arts and entertainment reporter here at the Journal. Today, I am joined by the Journal's arts reporter, Serene Leeds, and our resident Game of Thrones expert, Michael <laughs> Kalia. We're going to get geeky about season six, which wrapped up last night with a bloody explosive finale. Um, Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the entire season of uh, Game of Thrones or any Game of Thrones. uh, Or if you haven't read the books, because we're going to get into that. Hit pause now and go do all of that and then come back. (laughs) Welcome, guys. Come back in 10 hours. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Uh, So uh, first things first, uh, did this season live up to the hype? Coming into this season... You know, it was one of the biggest shows on on television. The books immensely popular, and the books were you know kind of guiding the 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 TV series this whole time. And then now they've you know the TV series has gone past the books in terms of the 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 storyline. Was this satisfying storytelling, Mike? Uh, yes, with some caveats. Um, it, they were off book, uh, although they did incorporate some some plot lines from the books into the uh, into this season. Um, not so much, but they were there. Uh, sometimes the story felt a little too rushed. Um, it felt like there was a little too much time hopping going on. Um, but when the show settled in and really delivered these great set pieces and these great character moments, it was the best the show has ever been. And these last two episodes have been beyond excellent. The, the finale, I believe, is the best, most complete episode of Game of Thrones ever. A lot of people are saying that. A lot of people are are saying that um, these these past two two episodes just uh, it, it did what you were talking about. You know, it, it kind of settled in. You know, it allowed the characters breathe. But it was you know action packed. Right. You know, the the battle of the bastards. You know, that battle scene <laughs> was easily one of the biggest. You know, that felt like a movie you know right. that you could they could charge admission at IMAX theaters and people would go up to oh, pay would, to watch I this to see it. Yeah. I know Serene watches a lot of TV probably more than any of us <laughs> oh god I do uh, yes. how, how does Game of Thrones when it's at this level compared to other TV I mean to me at- to me it's just it, it's it's just bigger and more cinematic I absolutely agree and um, I am in no way a Game of Thrones expert even though yes I pretty much spend all my life watching TV, um, most waking hours. Um, I would say an excellent example, just you know, to turn it over to a bit of a personal anecdote, my husband does not watch television. He'll maybe watch some documentaries. However, I turned on Battle of the Bastards, uh, which was last week's episode, and he was so engrossed that when he was interrupted, he, for the first time ever, said to me, pause it. I do not want to miss the rest of this. That's wow. <laughs> telling. That's very, yeah. t- that's very telling. Um, I was absolutely entranced by the battle scene. Um, and also, same with uh, last, last night's episode. I, I agree with you, Mike. I think that that was probably one of the most complete episodes of television especially in recent history. Um, Mm. Even more so, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but 
possibly even more so than Mad Men. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Mad Men did its best to wrap up a lot of stories before the finale. But also Mm. what I'll give what I'll give to Game of Thrones is that that 15 extra minutes did help. Yeah, that did. It helped a lot because I did. It, f- yeah. it felt a little raced in the beginning, but then once I realized that it was a little bit longer, then yeah. then I was like, "All right, this this is okay." Yeah, I, I, you know, we we have no idea what they were thinking in terms of, uh, you know, the creative, but it felt like, you know, at the end of last season, you know, when Jon Snow died or did not die, everybody oh, was he died. everybody <laughs> was you know having a conniption fit for for months and then or at least weeks and then you know sometimes sometimes months so and there was like this kind of like reservate you know reservation that you know over the last nine months people were left with this big question and last night's episode you know it it felt like a lot what you all were saying that it it did feel complete like they 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 have storylines to build on right but they wrapped a lot of things that they were building to throughout the season and instead of giving you a cliffhanger they gave you more of a resolution of a a, that that encapsulates the word finale i think this season uh cleared the decks um i think this season was a transitional season because obviously it was the first one to go off book uh, and so a lot of the stories felt kind of perfunctory and, and, and quickly resolved, I think, because they were trying to get through them to, so they could set up these bigger, grander things. And if you look at this this season finale compared to the previous season finale, uh, you had Cersei, season five, being marched through the streets naked, the, being hectored by, someone yell, by a septa yelling shame at her. Jon Snow was killed. Arya was blinded. And Sansa was escaping for her life because she was living in torment. And look at them all now. Um, you know, John is the king in the north. And, uh, you know, Cersei <laughs> is the queen of Westeros. She took it. Um, Arya is back, and she's, she's, she's on her warpath, the one that she always wanted. Danny, who last season was, you know, in the middle of nowhere, stuck in the middle of nowhere and, and had, had, was lost and didn't know what to do with herself, is now finally, finally heading toward Westeros to conquer, to take back what was her family's. And so this... It, 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 the season was too, it was working in two different ways. It was saying, all right, well, we're dealing with what George R. R. Martin wrote, and we're also making our own way. And one of the keys there was the storyline of Dorne. No one really likes the Dorne storyline in the books or in the show. I mean, in the books, they just it just takes forever. In the show, it was always – it was weird. It was off kilter. They were like – too violent or too gratuitous and and this season they had one scene in the beginning that just kind of cleared that out and then one scene at the end that brought them back and now Dorne is exciting again. Dorne is interesting again. (laughs) We don't hate Dorne anymore. No. I am looking forward to Dorne next year because now they have Lady Olenna, the queen of Dorne. Words you thought you would never utter. Right, right. Um, well, so it kind of brings up a good point. I mean, a major theme or development that occurred in season six involved the women in the show, like the really seizing power and becoming these dominant players. And, you know, I, maybe some people are shocked. Maybe it's something that people just really started to notice as the season unfolded. But did we see this coming? Were there hints of this all along, do you think? Yeah, yeah. They, the, the ground was laid, but... 
it, it was it was always two different ways with Game of Thrones. It was like, okay, Cersei is, you know, she kicks butt and she's powerful, but she's stupid, and then she has to pay an inordinate price compared to what other men pay. Uh, look at what happened to Sansa. I mean, you could look at what happened to Theon, who was tortured and tormented and brainwashed and literally emasculated by Ramsay Bolton. But then he goes around and, and torments Sansa in ways that are unspeakable. And then that turned around. So it, it was kind of a drastic, again, from, from last season, it was kind of a drastic turnaround. And um, I think there are still mixed feelings out there about how the show depicts women. Um, but I think people are feeling a little bit better today. I don't know. Yes and no. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, I was thrilled to see pretty much all of how they wrapped up all of the female storylines, whether it was Sansa, Arya, Cersei, Danny. My concern with Cersei is she's on the Iron Throne, but that is the most precarious foundation <laughs> ever. So, of course, I'm watching it, and not to mention all the other storylines that are now factored in, what we've learned about Jon Snow, Danny, yeah. Danny's on her way. So it's like you want to be happy. Finally, a woman said, I'm going to take this and mm. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but look at what cost. And it's just right. it just looks like it's going to be so easy for this to be taken away from her. Mm. So mixed feelings is a perfect way to describe it, because, of course, I want to see women in power, but I'm not right. so sure I feel comfortable. Well, Danny's coming. So. Dan- Danny is coming. But, yeah, but now she's going to be challenged by John. I don't know. <laughs> I think honestly, I think John is very reluctant and I think he'll see whatever it is to be through whatever whatever there is to be through um and the thing about john too is that he still has to learn that he's right. a targaryen as well he does uh, he as does. was kind of revealed in this one with that yes. great cut from that baby in the right. tower of joy, joy sequence to john's face but you know the thing about cersei i wouldn't sell her short i mean it, 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 okay. in a numbers game uh yeah the odds are against her but Look at what she's capable of. Well, how did she pull that off? I mean, I was watching it unfold, and then, you know, I I can't remember every detail, you know, five minutes before. So, um, <laughs> you know, I was I was watching this unfold. And I was like, oh man, this this is brilliant. But did we get any clues in the last few episodes yeah. that she was really plotting something so grandiose? And, you know, how how did that explosion happen? Well, in a way, her limited number of allies worked to her favor. She had Kyburn, the mad scientist, uh, disgraced maester on her side, and he successfully bought off all the little the little birds that Varys used to pay for, for informants. And, you know, the, the idea of these stores of wildfire being stashed everywhere around King's Landing has been around for uh, for a while. I mean, Tyrion was able to exploit that for the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Uh, king Aerys II, the Mad King, who's Danny's father, planned to ignite all of it. Um, and, and so Cersei and her, just Cersei with just Kyburn, a bunch of knife-wielding little freak kids, and uh, the mountain, the undead mountain, she was able to pull it off without, you know, anybody expecting anything of her because she was in there. And and it just goes to show, like, this character of Cersei, man, I mean, she seemed so mar- marginalized, didn't she, uh, yes. Serene? I yes. mean, and then, like, 
what was it? I mean, what is it about Lena Headey that just makes you never want to counter out? <sighs> you know, no, that's no, that's a really good question. I mean, that's why, like, I'll go back to the mixed feeling statement because she always manages to come out on top. And what I admire and don't admire about her character is that it's it's upsetting to see the uh, what she was willing to do she she basically was like okay i'll allow every you know my whole family to be killed off i i, I don't care because this is what i want and if it was a man no one would argue with this right. so that's why i can't completely right. uh, fault her for this because it's like well we see this all the time even though I'm saying to myself, look at this precarious uh, mm-hmm. foundation she has. Um, so it's so it's both upsetting and it's exhilarating, which is, I guess, why the show is so phenomenal. Right, right. Yeah, 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 those are really good points yeah. about, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's such a conflicted uh, – she brings out a lot of conflict in the viewer, you know. I mean, she's a villain. She's yeah. Well, th- yeah, but, I but, mean, is she the next supervillain? You she, identify with her. You do, um, but I don't know. I kind of just want to see her her next moves. Like, this is what's so great about this show is that Joffrey, awful person, amazing villain, right. okay, that you just wanted to keep watching. You know, Ramsey, terrifying. Right. You know, like, and whenever they were on screen, they were, um, you, you were so engrossed in what they were doing you know great mm-hmm. performance by the actor you know like everything was you know and she has always done that you know f- for me at least throughout the entire series like when she is on screen I just want to yeah. hear everything that comes out of her mouth and like any little yeah. eyebrow like twitch and like oh that means something yeah. Yeah. that means something um, but it's you know it, everybody else now in the in the show you know, vying for this, uh, all the other characters, you know, they're fan favorites. Like, people love them. Right. People love rooting for them. And, I, you know, she is, I wouldn't say a fan favorite, but, you know, she seems like she's in line to be that next level evilness, yeah. that Ramsey, you know, she she can blow up her city. She can kill her family, you know. She's always she, been a formidable force. And uh, even though she's been kind of marginalized for a great part of this last season and, and even some last some of the previous season, but she now she's probably, as you said, she's set up to be the biggest villain of them all other than the white walkers but the white walkers don't really have personality they just kind of show up and they're they're scary and they're demons and they have hordes of undead people at their beck and call cersei is flesh and blood you can understand her she's a human and the fact that she was able to do that and and willingly sacrifice her own son you know she wanted her son to see what happened that's she 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 was protecting him but she also wanted to see what would happen and the fact that he ended up killing himself and the fact that she was able to brush it off with such cold efficiency shows that she just really embraced the monster that everyone always said she was. One could argue that this is a greater comeback than that of Jon Snow. I agree. Easily, yeah. Yes. I agree. The other thing that was no really magic. interesting nope. about right. the, the finale was um, the Littlefinger side plot. Mm-hmm. You know, Littlefinger wasn't a big presence in season six. But, right. you, you know, when he showed up, he was... Uh, you could kind of tell he was getting worked back in. Like his importance was, you know, it's always there, but they're bringing it back to the uh, back to us. What did you think of, um, you know, his 
you know, pitch to Sansa to, you know, mm. rule the Iron Throne together and getting shot down in a one of Game of Thrones' most awkward uh, <laughs> love scenes. Yeah, um, he goes in for the kiss and she's like, she's like friend zone. <laughs> yeah, fr- <laughs> yeah, friend zone. And then, you know, when Jon Snow is getting, you know, anointed the king of the north yeah. and everybody's jolly you know he's, he's sitting not. in the corner plotting you know yeah, and he's it, given it, sansa the eye it really feels like she knows that he's the next person that needs to go yeah his his days are numbered i'm telling you i think you know Littlefinger is formidable he'll do anything anything but this could be a case of his chickens coming home to roost because He's the one who made Sansa who she is. He educated her a little bit in the ways of, you know, uh, behind the scenes uh, cunning in politics. He's the one who sold her to the Boltons. And, you know, even though it was a horrible, horrible experience for her, she's harder. She's not so naive anymore. And she's prepared to do, just like him, what is possible to win, which included bringing him in even though she knew she couldn't trust him. So I think that's going to be one of the most compelling storylines next season is how Sansa and Littlefinger duel and what whether John plays a part in this cuz I'm still not quite sold on John being the ultimate savior. Mm. How come? Well, because he's a bit <laughs> <laughs> He, he's not dumb, but he's <laughs> he's he's a he's a figurehead. You know, he's a symbol more than anything. And 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 while I I think he's a warrior and he's a guy that you want on your side, even though he I don't know if I want him commanding though. Mm. Um, other than inspiring the troops, but uh, you know he's he's too impulsive, too emotional, and and I don't know. I, I I'm just not quite convinced of his um, royal attributes all right we're going to take a quick break thanks for tuning in hi this is kevin sitzemong this is beth cracklauer check us out on the off-duty podcast we talk about food cocktails all of the finer things in life check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and become a subscriber on itunes wsj podcasts listen ambitiously now WSJ Speakeasy, your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. All right, we're back today talking all things Game of Thrones Season 6, which concluded last night on HBO. My name is Mike Ayers. I'm an arts and entertainment reporter here at The Journal. I'm with Serene Leeds and Michael Kalia, who also write about arts here at The at the journal, Mike, the what was the fan reactions to the to the series series six season six? I mean, and and the finale. What was the vibe out there? And um, well, let's let's get the the bad out of the way. Um, the it seems like the hardcore book readers were really split about this season. They prefer there's a preference for George R. R. Martin's more. I don't know if you could say patient, <laughs> but. Uh, Protracted means of storytelling. He he likes to build up a lot of characters and scenes, and he likes to describe lemon pies, and, uh, lemon cakes, and eel pies, and and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. It's good. It's great. But there there are a faction of fans who want you know, come on, George, let's move it along. Uh, so, in general, though, people were pleased with it, um, and and it all goes back to. You know, the first half of the season, you had the great moment with Daenerys uh, killing the the, the, cow, the cows, 
in uh, Vice Dothrak, um, bringing the Dothraki to her side. You, of course, have that fantastically mind-bending and heartbreaking moment with Hodor and holding the door and how that transcended <laughs> timelines. And it was like, wow, I'm devastated on three different levels, you know, in three different timelines or whatever. Um, it lagged a little bit for a few episodes, but these last two episodes, fans have been ecstatic overall. And I think this finale just really riled everyone up in the best way possible. Um, so, so you know, I want to ask you guys, since you're not book readers, you know, what, what was your take? Yeah, I mean, it felt like the TV watchers mm-hmm. were extremely satisfied with this. Right. Um, you know, personally, I thought the season, you know, maybe wasn't as dense as it was in the past. You know, they 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 uh, they opted for a few different stories per episode instead of you know squishing in like 10 different scenes with you know a whole bunch of people so you know my problem was you know was just it always was hard to keep you know putting things together on what happened and where it was happening yeah. and when it was happening right. and i always attributed that to the amount of just you know, they do a lot. It felt like a lot of like two minute scenes of, you know, Brienne riding on a horse, talking to somebody <laughs> in the in the countryside. And then, you know, they would pepper those throughout all these things. And I just it, it was it was hard to kind of remember what was what was going on. And, you know, that was because they had a lot of source material that they had to get through, I right. think, you know, so they had to establish a lot. But this season, it definitely felt like. It was more bang for your buck, you know. It was it was longer scenes. You know, you know who these characters are. Now you want to see what they're gonna do, what their action is. Right. And and for me, I I liked that a lot. I felt it was um, I felt it was wrapped up really well in the sense that even though there's more story to tell, for once I didn't feel the need for a. What are your most burning questions? Right. Peace immediately afterward because it's like they wrapped it up really, really, really well. And whatever comes next over the next 13 episodes or however else, however many it'll be, I think it's 13. Um, it's just something that I'm looking forward to. But I do, I do agree that part of the problem is ha- having it, it, it's a lot of hard work to try to keep up on all of the storylines. Like I was so happy to see uh, Sam back last night, but. I had to like stop and remind myself like where we saw him last, right, right, you know, right. and even still we didn't get that much of a scene out of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was just like, well, I think, yes. And speaking of fan reactions, I, I can't remember what Twitter feed it was, but someone had posted a GIF file of um, this is Sam now. And it was of uh, Belle from um, Beauty and the Beast um, in her library. <laughs> she was so happy. And I was yeah. like, that's great. Um Okay, now what? Um, and and other uh, fan reactions. My my favorite um, fan reaction has to be um, Leslie Jones's Twitter feed. Oh, wow. uh, any uh, for every episode of Game of Thrones, and um, <laughs> probably, unfortunately, I can't quote most of these verbatim. But I I encourage you to. It's a uh, family podcast. It's a family podcast, so I do encourage you to check out Leslie's uh, Twitter feed, Leslie Jones of uh, Saturday Night Live and the soon to be released Ghostbusters mm-hmm. film. As such, she did make sure to say uh, she had a screen grab 
of the um, t- see this is why I'm not a Game of Thrones expert what is the green um, wildfire wildfire thank wildfire. you she had a, um, a screen grab of the wildfire and she made sure to say hey all I'm a ghostbuster so I can tell you that's not ectoplasm <laughs> in case anyone was wondering Leslie Jones has put it on the record that that was not ectoplasm no one was being no. slimed no no Exploded, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Jonathan Price got a oh, first. Yes. So the show is, you know, a ratings juggernaut. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, it, I think I saw a number last week. You know, twenty three million people turned into the tuned into uh, episode nine. Oh no 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 twenty three million on average before episode nine before oh. the and it was you know streaming on demand DVR sure. yeah. And compared to last year, which was like twenty million, yeah. I mean, how does it? How does another TV show get to this level again? I mean, this is like, you know, the thinking back, Lost. You know, it's you know surpassing Walking Dead. Yeah. You know, this is. You know, we don't really see shows getting uh, these numbers anymore, like cultural phenomenons. You know, sporting events, sure. You know, right. award shows, you know, things that are happening live, real time, n- kind of newsy events, right. you know, get numbers like this. But TV shows, you know, it's so fractured. There's so much choice. And I, I don't this might be the last big show. Yeah, it's going to be hard to, to recreate this. I mean, and, and and the showrunners are being very shrewd about it. Um, reportedly, the, as Serene brought up, they're doing two more seasons, and they might be shortened seasons. And now that we know the lay of the land, we know who's going after who, and you have all these disparate kind of character strands coming together, um, it's the right time because anticipation's only going to build, and viewership's only going to build. And, and 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 whereas like Walking Dead. Even though you know it generates a lot of viral response and big ratings, and and it's the most popular show, and this, that, and the other thing, Walking Dead doesn't have an endpoint in sight, and and, and it's kind it of and it, and, and for, one common knock against it is that it's repetitive. It's like they survive, they come across a new group, they figure out how to mess that up, they get out of it, they survive, blah blah blah. Whereas Game of Thrones, it's like. There's an endpoint because it's a game, and so and it's also a premium channel, which means these numbers are staggering because people are paying extra money to watch it, and it's also the most pirated show. So if this were on AMC, maybe you wouldn't get as much nudity or you know cursing. Who's to say how big this show would be? It'd be astonishing. How much of the um, built-in uh, fan base from the books is a factor? I think it was a factor at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think, um, and HBO, of course, cultivated uh, those fans from the very beginning. But as time has gone by, this has become more of a TV show, more of a, a cultural event mm-hmm. than merely an adaptation of the books. And I think Benioff and Weiss, the two showrunners, kind of knew that this season. This is This is our chance right now to make this our show. Mm-hmm. I mean, Martin's going to write a couple more books and, you know, who knows, maybe they all got together and said, you know what, I'll make the books so much more different than what you guys do that, you know, they'll have to buy the books or, you know, who knows, you know, that they, they would be funny. You know, uh, there are certain things that they've done on the show that Martin has said he wouldn't do, such right. as say that the the character Cold Hands, the guy on the horse that helps Bran and Mira, mm-hmm. uh, is Benjamin Stark. 
Martin has said, no, 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 that's not Benjamin Stark. But who knows? Maybe he's BSing us all. But yeah, it's 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 sta- it, it, HBO's you know in a rut now. Yeah, it, uh, Game of Thrones also yeah. exists in like this weird paradox, which you you were basically hinting at a few moments ago, where they have going into it, they had an end date, you know, or or an end result, an idea of the yeah. narrative. You know, they knew that it couldn't be something that is just you know perpetually just running on you know and a lot of tv shows you know they they don't have uh, every tv show pretty much doesn't have a, a solution to the end and they they basically want to keep their jobs so they keep the story going right you know and the yeah. only reason why a lot of times they want to they end it is because well creatively sometimes but sometimes it's just the 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 audience dips and it's not profitable anymore as it once was right. for for a network so you know in a, w- a lot of ways you know sometimes shows can their their quality can suffer because they just right. keep going on because they just want to keep working mm-hmm. okay instead <laughs> of and that's understandable that's justifiable right. but you know the game of thrones kind of exists in this this thing where <coughs> they me. are just <clears throat> And they, there's a finite number of right. hours they can they can use, and and that seems appealing. And th- and also, you know, as a viewer, you know this is wrapping up. Mm-hmm. You know this is building something. So the stakes of every scene become yeah. so important. You know, you're like as you were saying, like you're walk- Walking Dead is great, but it's like, you know, there's how many more ruminations about right and wrong? Do we five need, or six right? episodes where you're like. Yeah, they're just again walking around some trees, <laughs> and you know they're they they killed another human, you know, and that bothered them. Do you like Serene? Yeah. Um, which do you? What kind of approach do you prefer? Do you prefer a a, a, a series that has an endpoint in mind, or do you prefer like? Uh, is there a way to prefer either one? I you mean, could uh, you could totally see that I like I have a very strong opinion about this. I absolutely <laughs> believe in a series having an endpoint. I think that there are so many examples of excellent shows where the smartest move that they've made is to designate an endpoint and then work towards building to an ex- an excellent finale because the I've in my experience I find that the longer shows go they end up um deteriorating and no one wants to see that so perfect examples oh. mad men yeah the americans um already has an endpoint there there will be two more seasons but but it's it's been set. Um, and Madman had an endpoint like around what season two or three, like he knew where he wanted the story to go. Yes, Matt Weiner knew very early on where he wanted to go. So I am of the belief that most TV shows probably shouldn't go beyond season six or seven because. Mm. I mean, in like I, twelve, thirteen episodes. Exactly know. because. Um, an example I always like to give, even though it's a sitcom, is I think that The Big Bang Theory has been one of the funniest sitcoms to hit television in the past 10 years. But it's already, see, I don't even, it's already at least on its 10th season, and I've stopped watching it, not because it's not good, but it's like enough already. 
Um, yeah, there how many is times some, can the characters cycle through each other, right? There is something as much as you love a show as viewer fatigue. And as much as it broke my heart to say goodbye to Mad Men, I had absolutely no qualms about that show ending. And as upset as I'm going to... S- as I'm going to be to say goodbye to the Americans, I think that the showrunners, Joe Weisberg and Joel Fields, are very, very, very smart in setting that end date. And instead of just going, hmm, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. Also, I mean, what works in their favor is history speaks for itself. Yeah. They're already in 1984. So we only so we know how many more years the Cold War can go on. Um, but uh, it raises a good uh, a good question about another show that I adore and cover, which is Outlander. And Outlander has been re- um, renewed for um, at least two more seasons. There will be a season three and season four. But um, Diana Gabaldon is still writing those books. Right. And so that could go on for this could be it could be another Game of Thrones situation. It's way too early to say. Oh, we're only I mean, I, I, I won't even dare to com- to compare it because we're um, only going to be wrapping up uh, season two um, on Ju- July 9th. So we have much of a ways to go. But um, but yes, uh, that was a very long winded uh, answer to your question, which is <laughs> I believe that the smartest thing that um, any showrunner, TV creator can do is to set an end point, have, have a set idea of when their story is going to end, because to just keep it going on, then you run too much of a risk of it not being good anymore. And you can kind of see some networks really playing with that idea of having the end point with the the rise of the limited series you know mm-hmm. there's so mm-hmm. there's a lot of limited series now where it's yeah. six eight ten episodes you know the you know tv in britain you know is very successful with that so example. they yeah. they know that you know less is more and you know there's there's been a lot of series that have come out that you know just tell tell the story in six hours ten hours and get out and get out and you know that's that's the way they're trying to find audiences and you know i don't know i I, I respect that i think that's i think that's a much better option than just having something in its 14th season Mm -hmm. in 2016 you know because you're competing against so much more than you were in like 1998 it's look at look at what happened with csi i mean csi was on forever it was a ratings juggernaut it just became too expensive too uh they're paying these actors so much money they didn't even have most of the original actors on the show Uh, they were just paying them so much money and it was an episodic show there were a few overarching storylines but they were like you know freak of the week kind of storylines something like game of thrones to, to, to stretch that out when there's a, a story to be told, a direct story to be told, just seems ludicrous. So I'm, I'm glad that we're getting two more seasons yeah. and not much longer than what, we, what we're used to. And well, the audience invests their time, you know, it's, you know, people like stories, whether it's reading, you know, a magazine, reading a book and watching a movie. Why they like uh, watching TV show? They like a they like an end. Yeah, they, that's what is satisfying about, you know, that's why you have punchlines. That's why you have, <laughs> you know, the the conclusion, right. you know, and. So, you know, they're certainly building to that in a, in a great way. If it becomes a slog, then it's not enjoyable anymore. No. And then why are you here? Why, yeah. Yeah, why are you yes. here? So, I think yeah. Game of Thrones heading into the end is liberated yes. from slogdom. Yes, I agree. I agree. 
All right, that's all we have today on our epic Game of Thrones uh, finale breakdown. Thank you for joining us. And for more podcasts, check us out at the WSJ.com slash podcast website. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and also in the Google Play Music app on Android devices. A whole bunch of different options. Thanks again and tune in soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.